Hello and welcome to episode six of Betfair's Cheltenham Broadcast, where we will be discussing the handicaps this week. So it's going to be a hefty one, plenty to discuss, guarantee differing opinions, of course, as well. And I will be discussing these races in the company of Bryony Frost, Daryl Carter and Dan Barber. But unfortunately... Bryony could only join us for the start of this show. She has had a few uh, difficulties then with her internet at home. So fortunately for us, Betfair's Alan Conway managed to catch up with Bryony Frost earlier on. I'm delighted to be joined by Betfair Ambassador Bryony Frost again. We're going to have a quick chat about the week that's just gone, the handicaps that have just finally arrived for the Cheltenham Festival, and I look ahead to this week as well. So Bryony, how are you? I'm good. I am. I'm. I'm good. I'm currently. I'm, I'm sorry. I can't be on the podcast again. I'm currently chatting to you in the car because I'm still still waiting for things to come back to normal after after our storm came through the village and blacked us all out and took away the Wi-Fi and no signal down there, of course. So. Yeah. So 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 it's been a nice quiet week. <laughs> yeah, it has. Yeah, yeah. You don't realise how much you rely on electricity and the small things. Yeah. Good. So, so, yeah, as we were saying, we finally belatedly got the, the handicap entries in for, for, for Cheltenham this year. And a bit of a surprise when I opened up the, the ultimate handicap and saw a certain Frodon lurking in there. So was it as much a surprise to you as it was to me when, when I saw his name among the, the entries? Yeah, I, I walked into the office this morning and uh, Paul, Paul caught me off guard completely. It's still, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not a morning person. So <laughs> the first 45 minutes to an hour in the morning, I am, I'm, I'm fairly not there. So, <laughs> so I walked in like and he caught me completely off guard. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, uh, have you seen where I've entered for it on? Uh, and I, oh, I was stumbling backwards back into the door, like wishing I didn't walk through the door because now I'm looking stupid because I don't know. Um, you know, I had to on honest, uh, no, I haven't. And he said, that he put him in, and uh, and you know, you know, we discussed a little bit then, just very briefly about he's off one six four, and that he he won off that that mark and a handicap there round Cheltenham, so he's he's in there now. You know, whether he he goes or not, I completely leave that to Paul and Mr. Vault. They they, but uh, you know, if he does, I'm I'm right there with him, and uh, yeah. It's certainly very exciting, isn't it? I know he's run kind of a grade one level of the last couple of couple of appearances. As as an outsider, would there be much difference now in running in a, a level eight grade one as opposed to carrying say top weight that he might do in the ultimate? Like, would you would your plans be any different, or do you just go out and ride kind of the same race? Uh, yeah, I mean, grade one and handicap races uh, on the whole, as a rule of thumb, are completely different to to ride um grade ones obviously not so busy um you don't have so much traffic as in so many runners um and you know everybody's fairly exposed in a grade one everybody knows everybody who they are um whereas handicaps can be you can sometimes be searching for the winner like a needle in a haystack you just don't know who's turning up um and and who they are um, so th that's the difficult part of handicaps. That's, you know, for I'd say people that are trying to search for winners makes it pretty good fun, um, and also probably frustrating at the same time. Um, but you know, we have we're a very honest mark. That is who we are. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, and riding them as such, uh, handicaps can can be very fast and furious, and it's very much you need a, you need luck on your side. You need a smooth run. Um, you know, and, and you can see a lot of horses coming back from, you know, from 
you know, the last quarter of the, the pack really and moving forward because the pace is always strong up front or they might not get a run. So it's it's very chop and change. There's no real, uh, yeah, if you look at statistics, I don't know, but there probably isn't actually a, a sort of frame there that suggests where winners come from or sort of marks and things, but I don't know. But grade ones are very much, everybody is who they are and, and, and the race is always run, uh, you know, generally quick and and forward so there's no hiding places there's no cat and mouse things about grade one and just in terms of the the handicaps of the festival you know they're always fiercely competitive to to watch from a jockey's perspective how how much if if any do they differ from kind of the the, the day-to-day stuff is is the pace of the race that much quicker and you know no one's kind of (laughs) you know maybe letting letting you up the 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 inside of your if you're traveling that that easier than someone else yeah, no, it's uh, I I don't know. Yeah, Cheltenham, Cheltenham is a is is an atmosphere in itself, and even running up to Cheltenham, tensions will start to grow. Yeah, especially now. Now we're starting to roll in, and uh, it's getting closer. It's really just around the bend. The, the the pressures on people are starting to occur. You can see it on them. They're starting to think forward now to it. Whereas you know when there's still a month to go you tend to think it's still a month still a long time but actually when you start getting down into into the last couple of weeks of of, of where we are and then into march it is and um yeah no as i remember my first couple of handicaps i rode at cheltenham i mean i could not believe what like how one how fast we're going how quickly things happen so even getting down to the start you know, there really isn't much time to get your girth checked. On a normal day, you come down to the site, get girth checked. You ask the starter how long you got. He'll say two or three minutes. And you sort of have an idea. You go and find your spot. Everybody's pretty happy where they are. You come to the festival and it is get out the paddock, get on and get down there as quick as possible. If you need your girths checked, check them. But generally, just get on the wheel and get turning in that circle. You need to find your spot. Everyone's barging in, out. There's a lot of chat going around. It's 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 like someone shakes a beehive at the start and it, the buzz just starts to create. And then when the tapes go down, it's it's probably a modern day cavalry charge most of the time is the first. You can't see. You're just depending on your horse, his intelligence and his his uh you know, it, just his natural ability uh to to use himself and know when to take off when when not to because you can't really see they're incredible like so i remember coming down the the hill in the pretense on storm arising i mean i couldn't see a thing and he had a faller in front of him he still managed to jump it great dodge the faller get round it and keep his position i was i don't know how you've done that chap but i applaud you (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah and it's that type of horse isn't it they need they need certain kind of characteristics don't they i suppose from from being well handicapped aside you do need a horse kind of brave and able to travel and and hold its position don't you in in these type of handicaps yeah travel travel is key i um you know for a horse that maybe travels a little too strongly is is maybe what you need um you know sort of thinking out loud there is is you know if i was talking i wanted a horse actually probably want a horse that was always just a little bit in my hands than a horse I was having to half chase because a horse that's in your hands he he moves himself into those spaces or a horse that jumps very well and very quick he moves himself into those spaces that you need before they close they can close within seconds they appear and they close as you know it's 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 they're incredible it moves faster than the shadows the gaps in the in the race and so a horse that 
is slightly more relaxed and you're having to ask him, there's a delay in those seconds of you asking him to go forward and him then going forward for you. Whereas a horse that's slightly in your hands, you just let out a little bit of rain and he's already into that space. So if you're talking about an ideal horse for a sort of mid-div section and he's traveling well, that's the sort of chap you need, yeah. Yeah, and then it's just getting the gaps, isn't it, and, and being able to take them. And... Oh, yeah, <laughs> having the patience and the nerve to hold too. Sometimes, you know, <clears throat> say uh, you're you're turning in on the rail, your your front horse will normally always drift off slightly, and then he'll take the horse that sat on his outside wing with him. Um, so it's generally if you're sat right behind him, you can normally 90% of the time get that run up the inside, but you just have to hold and wait for them to swing sometimes it doesn't happen you know sometimes it does but generally speaking when the race is on they're just heading straight to line so you can sort of sometimes fiddle your way through at that point but yeah. that's a very late stage in the race if you have enough toe to take you to take you there that late on yeah. and how tempting is that now if you if you are turning in in a, in a handicap at Chelsea or, or anywhere else and you feel like you're going well like do you do you have to kind of count the, the five or ten before you go or is it are you just riding purely purely on feel yeah, instinct is is a big thing, especially in those big fields. Um, you know, and and it's it's staying aware and concentration is the biggest thing. Concentrating, sometimes you can. I, I wouldn't be a jockey now that would concentrate too much on form of everybody else. Like I wouldn't, if I have twenty horses in front of me, I wouldn't know them all, um, and I wouldn't know what they've all done. Um, generally I will concentrate on myself very much and what works from my horse and I'll ride him. Um so that's that's kind of where I've I've always worked and sometimes that plays as a plus because I'm not thinking uh, I'm reading everybody as individuals and not really as oh well he won last time out and, and he was tailed off. Because sometimes, you know, the guy that was tailed off could all of a sudden shock you all and you let him go, you know, five lengths clear into two out and don't go chasing him because you think he's going to come back, but he doesn't. So it's, yeah, it's just, it's just, yeah, it, it is keeping your eyes open, staying alert and, and keeping an eye on horses that are traveling well. A lot of the jockeys will, will, you know, give away how well they're going by what, how their heels are sat on the side of their horse. You know, how much rain contact has he got? How is he sort of sitting on his horse? A lot of that you're looking at his movement as he's galloping along. So yeah, that's that's kind of you just you try and you try and look out for all the little clues that who's going well around you and move with that as a sort of current. Yeah. And it must it must be kind of great, I suppose, fun to ride in as well, isn't it? You know, everyone's kind of going flat out as well, and you know, no one's giving an inch as well. Like even from the stands, they they look particularly kind of fun to fun to be riding in. Yeah, I say it depends who you're riding. Yeah, sometimes if you're if you're not going so well and you're you're falling back through the back, it's a it's it's a place where you just want to you just want to be spat out the back as quick as possible when it's not happening. Um, and the and you know they're 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 caving in around you, but um, yeah, and, and it, even you know, sometimes the pace is quick and then they'll stack up and it's incredible how uh, it's like a domino effect when the stack happens from the front, how quickly it, it falls into the field, um, you know, and then that's when it becomes really tight. And, and uh, but Cheltenham, just everybody's there with a chance, you know, it's not, everybody's turning up to be at Cheltenham and to give it their best shot. So the race is always, is, is always tight. It's always moving forward. And there's, no one will ever give an inch 
you know it's you write for yourself and that's that's that and and uh yeah it's it's it's, it's very cool you've got to be on top of your game yeah which I'm sure you will be come Cheltenham as well now. And then just looking through the, the handicap entries there, I know Paul has, has a lot in, in different races. But I saw Lucy Wadham as a, as a couple in the handicaps as well. Um, Greystone in the, the Bulls Juvenile and then Miss Heritage in the, the County Hurl as well. Um, hopefully you'll be able to, to get on one or, one or both of them come Cheltenham time. Yeah, um, Greystone, he has an entry at Kempton again in the grade two uh, this Saturday. I think he's off a mark of one, two, seven off the top of my head here sitting in the car. But he's he's come so, so far. Um, he's, you know, from, from winning over seven furlongs to now seeing out to, a strong two miles. He's a very keen traveler um, and his jumping is working on. That's why you'll probably be seeing him coming out again this weekend because if he does come, is is because we really need him to, to be sharp. He's got the engine. We just need him to to be slicker over his hurdles but he was definitely there at Weatherby there was a much more improved he didn't it didn't dent his confidence uh, tripping over at the last at Taunton the form is strong from Weatherby um, with the third horse coming out and winning at Market Raisins so I like him as a horse I really do so um, you know so whether he comes there but and I'd be very confident that I will see it up the hill um, because of his he has got a, a certain amount of numbness to him which, you know, as a racehorse, they need, as an athlete, you need, you need to have that bit of, you know, a spark inside you and a bit of, a bit of attitude and a good opinion and and you need to stay numb with it. And that's exactly who he is. So, you know, if he does go there, um, you know, it'll be, it will be, I'm looking forward to, to giving him the opportunity to take on good horses and see where he fares in it. And, and buzz for his owners too, because it's just, especially with the crowd back this year, um, you know, to have a runner, at the festival is, you know, it's, it's why, you know, owners have their horses because they want to go to the, the biggest leagues and, and the biggest stages and, and go and, and go and have a go and walk in the paddock and see their horses. It's, it's a huge thing. So. And as well as for jockeys as well, how, how excited are you to have a, a full crowd back as far as it's been like being in a, a football stadium, isn't it? At times with all the, the, the raucous crowd, even going down to the start horses being cheered and clapped down ah. as well. It must be great, great for the jockeys as well to have, to have a full house of Cheltenham. Yeah. Oh, pumped. Absolutely pumped. It's mm. just, it's, 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 you're just taking in the vast amount of people that, that are there for one, like the number, but then yeah, the noise. And it's just like a, even when the, the roar isn't happening, there's just, there's a, there's a hum that happens throughout every day and it's just the hustle and bustle, the excitement, the, you know, people meeting up, the friends, and they're drinking, they're having a good time, you know, and they're coming to see the horses, they're, you know, trying to find their winners and it's like everybody can be a part of the winner when they are, you know, it's 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 huge and then coming down that, that walkway, if you're lucky enough to, to have your winner is, is something that uh, no other you know track i believe or festival really gives you that sort of feel um and an opportunity to engage with so many people for such a duration of time so yeah you can really get you know a feel for how buzzed everybody is for it all so it's going to be awesome last year was very strange um you know you kind of knew you're at the festival but it, it wasn't it wasn't yeah. nowhere near the same so yeah I can imagine we, we'll, we'll all take the roof off if yourself and Frodo manage to, to to win again <laughs> to to win again at the ultimate. We'll have to have to redo the stand if, yeah. if you're lucky enough to, to yeah. get there and win. 
say we're burst through clouds, not even not even roofs. We'll be going through the clouds, yeah. <laughs> I know we were just just chatting off air as well. It's a quiet week week enough now for you build, building up to the festival as well. I know you're you're down to ride it tomorrow at Huntington as well, looking for for a bit of redemption, are you? Yes, code name Lisa. Yeah, we'll be in in Newmarket early start in, up into Newmarket to, to school at Lucy's and then on to Huntington because it's close. Um, and then yes, me and code name Lisa have got a, a score to settle after I uh, <laughs> she unshipped me at the first embarrassingly, and then I I in my defence tried holding on way too long, and she gave me she gave me a good cooking, and I was a, I was a football in a Premier League at that point. I think she found me with every who she could. So um, yeah, she's. She's she's frustrating because we we have a lot of ability. It's just uh, our jumping is 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 a miss, but we we'll, we will get there with her, and uh, and hopefully our engine can can take us through. So um, yeah, we're on a bit of a, a bit of a track to prove a point here now. So yeah, um, I'll be I'll be having to be ten strides ahead of her this time and keeping my heels well down. So. Just all, just all the motivation you need, Bryony. As always, it was lovely chatting to you. Uh, best of luck with codename Lucy, and we'll we'll chat to you next week. Thank you, awesome. Look after yourselves. Great to hear from Bryony there on her thoughts on the handicaps, and of course that curveball that Paul Nichols threw us then today with Frodon in the ultimate. That's going to be fascinating to see how that race plays out. But as I say, I am also joined by Daryl Carter and Dan Barber. Dan, you managed to get out of recording another podcast in Market Radio, Market Raisin, even in their mm. media room. But instead, you've been gallivanting around a park today, I believe. How was that? Yeah, I took, uh, it's half term this week. You wouldn't know it, the amount of work I'm doing myself. But um, you've got to take at least one day for those kid duties. So I've I've been taking them around uh, Tatton Park, if anybody knows it, in Cheshire, and just getting green-eyed and green-eyed monster job at some of the houses that people have around yeah. there. What what jobs do these people do <laughs> to afford these just, just absolute mansions in their own grounds? They, pay, they obviously pays a bit better than Betfair. Yeah. <laughs> what an introduction there for Dan. Great to have you with us, even if you're not happy to be with us, Dan. Wonderful. Yeah, these people clearly don't work in racing, or if they do, yeah, they clearly don't even own the horses either, because that's enough to, to rinse everyone, anyone from their mansion anyway. But yes, we will learn that lesson one day. Daryl Carter also here with us as well. Great to have you back on with us. How much are you looking forward to these handicaps? Yeah, I'm like a fat kid in a sweet shop. I'm really excited by this. So. Uh, I love seeing all the handicap entries coming out. I'm surprised Dan was willing to tell people where where he was today. He's going to be flocked with fans after his performance at Market oh, Racing, yeah. Racing TV. I don't think you can call people fans when they try to hit you. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dan did have a great day then at Market Racing yesterday, but has been has been very generous to give us the time then today because we did obviously have. A bit of a mishap yesterday with the BHA website going down. So entries that were supposed to be out for the handicaps yesterday. Basically, the entire website racing admin was crashed. Um, still, we didn't manage to warn off the Irish uh, entries, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Our plan was foiled. They are still all turning up anyway. So, yes, as much as we try, we cannot get out of it. But at last, we had all the entries then in today. So we know pretty much where we are now, just a bit later than advertised but we shall begin with our handicap chat then so we're not going to go through every single race because we'd be here until the lincoln was being run if we did so (laughs) instead i'm going to head to each of daryl and dan then for their thoughts initially on best bets for the handicaps of day one and day two firstly so just as a reminder on day one we have the ultima and boodles 
on day two, we have the Coral Cup and the Grand Annual. So, Daryl, starting with you, please, your handicap thoughts ahead of day one and day two. Yeah, lot, lots of entries, 82 in the in the uh, ultimate alone. Um, there's there's loads of entries for this, but uh, trying to pick one out is, is quite difficult. The one I've got um, I've got very much on my radar for this. Now, the Frodon's presence off a of mark of 164 just might keep him out of this, and he might not to be high enough in the in the handicap to get in. Our last few years, I think you've got in off 134. This is in the ultimate 133, 140, 137. He's rated 133. Uh, and that's Jericholt Rock for, for David Pipe. This yeah. horse is extremely well handicapped, in, in my opinion. Chase time, uh, Pat's Fancy at Chepstow. Just held on the wrong on the run in there. Pat's Fancy is obviously rated a, a lot higher now. He was 125 at, at that point. Um, he's up into the 140s. 146, I think, so so 21 pounds higher. Uh, then he chased home St. Palais at Newbury. That was a really good piece of form. St. Palais and himself just pulled miles clear of the, of the field over 3-2 that day. Uh, he's not short speed either. He's quite quick. Showed a lovely turn of foot. Nesta Park in third has come out and won at Newbury since. Run to Milan, the fourth, has come out and won at Exeter since. Uh, he's just sitting on a very, very handy mark. Last time we saw him was at Warwick in the, uh, in the big three-mile, five-furlong handicap. There he finished second. He was beaten 13 lengths, but uh, he was given plenty to do, I thought, um, in, in amongst horses off the pace. And he's just shaping to me like he, he's got a big, big pot in him. This is the owners that won this with Intemptable Tout a couple of years ago, mm. uh, back to back. And now he was off top weight. This will, if this gets in, he'd be off bottom weight, of course. But uh, I think he's very, very interesting to keep an eye on. I did try and pester David uh, David Pope with an email and say, "Look, is he going? Is he going?" He did. He did write back, um, <laughs> thankfully, and he and he said that he's unlikely to go, but he's fit and he's well. So. I don't know if he's going to go in here and I don't know if he's going to get in, but if he does, he's got to be one of of stern interest of a mark of 133. Yeah. This is not going to know about heaven, isn't it really? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is what we need. Certainly. So, and Dan, are you sort of concerned about that when you were initially looking at these entries when, as I said at the top of the show there, when Frodon was thrown in as a curveball here, any initial fancies you probably had for this may not even get into this race. What are your sort of thoughts on, on that sort of aspect? There is that. I actually think it makes it close to the time, not for today. I actually think it makes it a more appealing betting race because if, for instance, he's keeping seven or eight of the field out of the handicap, which isn't beyond the realms, I mean, there just could be a very lopsided field. There might be a horse in there that's carrying 11 stone or something when the when the, when the the weights come out. And even below him, it might be another gap of 10. It, just, it could be a massive class edge for a couple at the top there. Um my ultimate horse I had in mind was Fiddler on the Roof. I thought, I don't think this is a race that takes a lot of winning, relatively speaking. Obviously, it's a challenge handicap. Vintage Clouds copped it last year, and there was only one real interesting novice in the field. That was the runner-up of, of Kim Bailey's who went on to win at Aintree. Um, and the fact veterans have won it and horses that you don't, wouldn't associate with being very progressive, maybe because it's not a non-COVID year, they might, they, there'll probably be a bigger field. It might be a bit more competitive. Thought Fiddler on the Roof would run very well in it, but unfortunately he's going straight to the Nash. If I was going to have a day one fancy, and I don't know how Daryl sits on this, I'd be Boodles heavy. And Market Raisin's been referenced a couple of times already, as has the racing admin fun and games yesterday, which I was away from sort of, but I still experienced it in part because I was in the paddock before that race with Chris, Chris Dixon, and... Um, I was thinking this petite all day we've been saying to each other this petite on air is going to be a it's going to be a boodles horse isn't it 
and it's running here just so it can have the requisite third out in to qualify it for the race. But I'm in the paddock speaking to John Joe's lad going, is he in the race? And he's like, I'm going to have to ring. <laughs> and it was literally seat of the pants. So he said, yeah, he will get an entry. He has got an entry. And one thing I can pass on from raising is he's an extremely good-looking, rangy horse for his age. And because I was so heavily prepped on raising yesterday, doing it for racing TV, taking the time to watch the French videos back, I mean, I just think this is a graded horse. I mean, first time out over hurdles, having just one midfield finish on the flat, he took care of business in really good fashion. And then he's beaten horses who've been first and second in a really good juvenile handicap and have then been fifth and sixth in a French group one juvenile hurdle uh, behind their best juvenile hurdle, who's a, a 150-odd performer, um, subsequently. So his form line's worked out well. I just absolutely loved watching that yesterday. I mean, McCoy was a master, wasn't he, at winning by less distance than he probably could have done because you like to try and con the handicapper a little bit. And I thought there was an element of that with John Joe yesterday. And the horse still showed the ability to get out of bother after nearly coming down at the last. I thought it was a... a a pretty brazen show of talent that, and I know it's a different cup, uh, different kettle of fish, but it doesn't really matter that run yesterday. It was a means to an end to get him qualified. He'd not been out since September. And I do think there's a very big race in this horse. I think he's got a lot of ability and potential. And I saw they put him in at eight. Uh, just my overriding f- view with the Boodles is it's one by two types of horses. It's won by the ex-French horse that's not had much for the handicapper to nail him on. He's a good case in point for that. And the second type of character that wins it for me is the slightly grizzled flat horse, the Jeff Kidders, the water charm from years ago, who showed the talent on the flat and then come good in a proper race. And my other suggestion was Sky Cutter, who's 33s, and that's factoring a large slice of doubt over whether he'll get in off one, two, two, but he hasn't raced. He's raced on soft and heavy ground the last twice. He went off five to one for a finale hurdle, was exhausted behind Porticello at Haydock, but kept on well enough for second. I just think he'll be a different horse. He's a, he was fourth in a November handicap. He was second in handicaps at Newbury and elsewhere in, in little time with Philip Kirby. And I think that getting onto better ground, which is likely to be the case, it certainly won't be soft or heavy, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a massive plus for him because he's a classy ex flat horse. Yeah, so Dan's basically going with the two-prong attack then, as he's just mentioned, with the sort of the flashy, could be anything, ex-French horse coming over, probably feasibly treated, graded horse and in a handicap, and obviously you've seen him now in person as well to really know exactly what he is. And also Skycutter, the battle-hardened flat horse then as well. And then, Dan, you mentioned about the weights. I mean, I believe, please correct me if I'm wrong, the weights are going to come out on the 1st of March. That's 1st of March, yeah. So that'll be, that'll be a proper mad panic. I mean, you can still obviously check what marks these horses have got but it's just a very confusing and long-winded process i mean you just wouldn't waste your time doing it maybe daryl has i don't know because he's been busy today <laughs> but if you if you're going to put all adjusted ratings in for what they rated and what they would come out on the time form figures you'd be there for months so just wait until they do the job for you march the first Exactly. Just wait a few more days. Daryl, have you taken that approach or are you trying to solve it yourself? No, 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 no. I'm going to, I'm going to wait with Dan. Yeah. <laughs> there's, uh, there's too much uncertainty in the Boodles market. Anyway, I did actually like the tide turns at the top towards the top of the market, just while we're touching on the subject. Mm. I thought he was a huge eye catcher behind Tahipu the other day when he scooted away and won. Definitely. I thought his, yeah, I thought his jockey went to pull the whip through and then saw Tahipu go 
go and kick on. And, and I thought he thought twice about getting too close to him. He's been left on a mark of 135. Uh, these Boodles horses, they don't get too much um, in terms of weight coming over from Ireland. They normally only get about three pounds, um, probably just simply on the basis of their age. But if he gets three pounds, he's going to be a 138. I think in the last like five years, I think 138, 139 horses have all filled the frame. So I think he's going to be there or thereabouts. I, I thought he was an eye catcher in the spring juvenile, beating eight levels by Vauban as well. Um, I think there's a lot more to come from him. I think this has been a target. Obviously, with this type of race, there's a lot of unknown. Uh, there is a lot of unknown about many of these horses. And uh, it is a guessing game, but I would suspect that he's very well handicapped if he gets a, a mark of around 138. Yeah, exactly. If he gets those extra three pounds, as you say, from the 135, then and he's sort he's taken the Saint Sam approach that I was trying to side yeah. with in this race last year, isn't he? We're running well, I catchingly so behind a proper, proper good horse then as well. So that is going to be very interesting to see then uh, if he then does take up this engagement in itself. So that's a Boodles with a, the lads, a few chances there and the Boodles itself. We've also covered a few horses then in the ultimate. In terms of the Coral Cup, then get Daryl or the Grand Annual potential of the two races and the two handicaps on day two is there any sort of horses there that have really caught your eye cool how long you got (laughs) (laughs) also actually to be fair this might save a bit of time because coral cup and and the pipe race are basically the same race aren't they yeah they they basically are um i'm not gonna i'm not gonna mention the state man for this because i'm pretty sure he's gonna go for the martin pipe and we can get excited about him in a minute um (laughs) but there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting horses in there uh, the devil's coachman first one just to, to bring up he won at navin the other day on, on heavy ground um he won in very impressive style first start beyond two miles uh he looked very 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 good i must admit and um, they do keep saying that he's a heavy ground merchant um i'm entitled to believe that he just might have been wanting a trip uh for, for quite some time so he's definitely one to keep an eye on and there's a horse in here for martin brazil called factor uh, fast or slow um, this is very interesting, this horse. He's, he's been run uh, twice in the last, uh, this season. He's finished 10th of 18 at Leopardstown, 12th of 27 at Leopardstown. And uh, he's definitely not a two-miler. He's a, he's a two-and-a-half-miler. And he's definitely better than what he showed there. Um, you go and have a look at his form in France behind the likes of Gallo Conte. Um, this horse is, has got a good bit of ability. Um, the owners, they they had a bit of a gamble, didn't they, on, uh, on Longhouse Poet the other mm. day. Uh, they yeah. had a bit of a gamble. City Island, wasn't it? Didn't City yeah, Island. Yeah, City Island. They had a bit of a gamble on Parliament. City Island as well. Um, and I can see this one being a bit of a gamble of the race. So definitely keep an eye on him. He, he looks to have a good bit of ability, but we'll see what mark he gets uh, next week. One at a big, big price I, I do want to give a mention to. I've mentioned Comprom before. Um, he's dropped the anchor. Uh, this horse has been running over two miles. Again, stepping up in trip. I think he's been screaming, absolutely screaming out for a step up and trip. He's currently rated 141. He ran off 146, two starts ago at Ascot. But that was over a mile, seven and a half furlongs. He was at the rear of the field, just outpaced for, for, for quite a bit of time. And uh, then all of a sudden appeared in the picture and then was left behind again. And I think that was just off a stop-start gallop. Uh, this horse really caught the eye, finishing very, very strongly at Leopardstown at Dublin Racing Festival, finishing fifth behind Cormie Lyrene. Uh, that is normally a race to go to for, for the Cheltenham Festival. And um, he, he's just been screaming to go up and trip, absolutely screaming. He ran in the county hurdle last year off a mark of 146, finished beating three lengths by Belfast Banter. But he just was passing horses like they stood still, very similar to his Leopardstown performance. This horse is only eight. He's on the upgrade. Uh, I, I think he's going to be unexposed when he starts going up in distance. He is bred to get a bit further. 
Uh, I think he's got a good bit to come, drop the anchor. Uh, I just hope they don't go in the county and hopefully that a strongly run two miles suits him. Because I don't think it does. I think he wants definitely wants to go on the trip. Yeah, that's fascinating though, that you're looking at that Leopard's Town Grade B handicap hurdle because both of those two selections you've just been talking about, fast or slow, all one word, and then drop the anchor, separate words, uh, both <laughs> running in that then. And obviously, as you say, catching the eye then for the pair of them, but it's going to depend to wait and see if they want to offer him in trip or not. But the way he shaped certainly looks that way. So there's a few interesting ones then for the Coral Cup in itself. And Daryl, were you slightly gutted at Funambul Savoyola? He's not in the Grand Anya, is he? You couldn't wait to say that, could you? I couldn't wait. Like, hey, I, wait. I was I was mad keen on that horse for that race as well. As soon as yeah. he won the other day, I thought that'd be perfect for him. But yeah, and Daryl has been for weeks. <laughs> yeah, and he was raided what 152. He's now 160 graded winner. Like, oh god, what are they doing? It's not as if he. It's not as if he's got two absolutely top notch two milers to beat in the championship, <laughs> which he does have. Exactly. He's actually got three, hasn't he? He's got three yeah. to beat. Yeah. So that so like he the, could he could improve ten pound finish fourth exactly yeah. the, the thinking was all there like it was all right and they, they just decided not to i think the fact that they've had brave siaska as well in the back of their mind has probably um played a part in that and thought they're trying to go and pick up some prize money there but yeah uh, I, I sometimes don't you can have too many weapons in your yard sometimes you can have too many weapons and it does yeah. do a disservice then yeah uh dan i guess on the Coral Cup or the Grand Annual, any sort of, I know, like, say, save time on the Coral Cup, so I'll probably move on to the Martin Pipe. Pretty sharpish, but Grand Annual-wise, any thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I definitely have to do a bit more digging into the Irish um, contingent for the Coral or, or the Pipe race. I, I do have a bit of a view in the Grand Annual, though. Also, I like quite a lot, and he was really good at Newbury first, basically the first time he was right, because he had a one-run for Paul Nichols. That's Il Ridotto at Newton Abbott and stopped quickly. They obviously sorted him out ahead of Newby. I thought he was a really impressive winner of a two-mile handicap there. He then was hiked in grade about a week later when we were down at Sandown, me, TC and Kev Blake. And uh, it evidently came too soon. But, I mean, he was in a proper race as well. It was the race at third time Lucky blasted off. Edward Stone, Warlord, Manila Drama. We discussed those form lines on the broadcast in recent weeks. And he then went to reoppose Warlord in the race at Lingfield on that valuable day. But for me, he went like the best horse in that race, but heavy ground just found him out completely. He ended up finishing third, stopped the race at the last. If you didn't know the horses, you'd say this will be nip and tuck between him and Warlord. Warlord's got an official rating of 149. He's time form rated 147. I almost view Il Rodota as the same horse, given how they went through that race. So I think he's still well handicapped off a mark in the low 140s. And it's a race where the stable have had a fair bit of success. In fact, it's a race where, I know we've had chosen mate et al. It's a race where the British have held their own. Obviously, Nick Hendo has a good old bash at it because of it. it's been it's named in memory of his father and has got a great record. But Nichols isn't too shabby either. No, definitely not. As you say, he does manage to produce a winner then in this race uh, very often and far more than you sort of expect and the market tells you anyway. So that's us covered then for day one and day two, unless the lads had any more thoughts or any more selections they wanted to chuck in at all. No, just to, just to quickly touch on, uh, do you know he's the favourite for the ultimate handicap? Um, mm -hmm. I just wanted to touch on this Ascot meeting that we just had at the weekend because I, I did some work on this a few, a few years back and uh, just made some notes and stuff and I've just continued it this week there's been 270 runners on that ascot card 35 of them went to cheltenham there's been no winners come out of that meeting in the last four years and it's always been soft or heavy ground there's been five places they have normally been in the stayers races but 
just be aware of that with with does he know because obviously he's going to go in and he's going to be favourite for the uh, Ultimate Handicap. Uh, it just might be worth keeping keeping an eye on. Heavy ground three weeks before the festival is never really ideal, is it? No, yeah. say, that's fascinating that the trends to come out of that meeting. I was actually riding out in Bailey's this morning and I um, I won't be saying that the next time then, uh, the next time <laughs> I pop in there with that trend because I think that's re- basically their only horse that's really going to Cheltenham uh, really from that yard. So that is fascinating with all hopes pinned on him. Uh, just a horse that I want to chuck into a mix just before we quickly move on that I found fascinating earlier when we were looking through. Bellex One now trained by Paul Nichols, going for the Boodles, we think, and trained by Paul Nichols as of today, as we record on the 23rd ah. of February. His trainership has since changed. So just the horse wanted to flag up there, which I say was desperate to ask Bryony about, but with internet troubles, and unfortunately he didn't get the chance to, but hopefully we will down the line, ask us sort of how he's going and how he settled in and how long he may have actually been there. So that's us done from day one and day two of the handicaps, moving on to day three and four, funnily enough. So that includes the Potemps, the greatest race of the festival. I don't care what anyone says. The yeah. County Power Plate, the Kim Muir, and that's all on the Thursday. And then on the Friday, we have the County Hurdle and the aforementioned Martin Pipe Conditional Jockeys Handicap Hurdle. So lots of races to discuss. Dan, starting with you this time, please, on the last two days of the festival with any initial impressions. Uh, I've mentioned the County swiftly. Um just because my ears pricked up when I saw this horse's name. Uh, so this is Coppolis, who, I mean, you remember that day at Aintree last spring? It was a handicap. You'll know uh, the form very well because Roland Ward ended up winning the race. Um, there was subsequent winners left, right and centre. Camprond was second. I mean, the the standing dish of all standing dishes in handicaps in Britain, Leon Cavallo, Leon Cavallo. was fourth. <laughs> And I, th- I think Coppolas would have absolutely snotted them if it if it had stood up. He was absolutely tanking, um, really well bred horse, great family who Philip Hobbs trained to good effect. Like I think the dam was presenting Copper, who, who won a Cheltenham non-festival race for him a good few years ago. So it's a family I really like. It's also really like there was talk of a Galway Hurdle bid last year that didn't materialise. I think he had a setback, but he really he slashed up. I thought in the Swinton. I mean, I, I just think this is a really interesting horse. I think he's, you've obviously got concerns because we've not seen him for so long and it's quite the baptism of fire to come back into a race like this, but he's a seriously interesting animal off that mark in the low one four. I think he's got one four two. He could be, I mean, he, he goes through his races like he's 150 plus potentially and the only quibble is where he's been, but he's back to the extent he's got an entry. He's got no other entries. And a county hurdle would just suit him so well. He's so well, so well equipped to cope with these strongly run big field handicaps because he just is such a powerful traveler. Yeah, I was just going to say, so he's sort of compensating then the lack of maybe the experience that might be needed then for a county in exchange for the way that he powers through races. Do you think that he could yeah. basically compensate? Yeah, it's more, I think, ring rustiness. You could get found out a bit, but as long as he's on it and he's fit as anything. It wouldn't bother me because he's already shown his metal in Swinton's and big field handicaps at Aintree. I know he came to grief. I mean, God, just watch that back. The horse was still absolutely powering and much respect. I'm sure it bought you a few things from the prize money that Kieran got <laughs> for winning that race. Unfortunately, but... it was Charlie riding him. But um... oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> it might, it oh, might have bought Harriet. It might have bought Harriet Edmonds some rings, to be fair. But unfortunately, no. He was 
He was the other one. He was hometown boy that day. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Okay, well, you can, can have that we one. We can all him. enjoy it together. <laughs> yeah, too, right. Uh, but, yeah, I just thought he was, I think he's a, a very well-handicapped horse off 142 as long as everything's okay with him. Yeah. Yeah, definitely so. But as you say, if any trainer can get a horse fit from that long a layoff, then Ollie Murphy is certainly the one. So Coppolis, I completely forgot about him, to be honest. So I'm really happy you flagged him up there. So, Daryl, Dan is going for a bit of a, a left-wing approach then with uh, with Coppolis there. So who are you? have you got any thoughts ahead of the county? Not really in the county. I can flick onto the Potemps if you want. Yeah, please do. We'll go well, the best race, of course. I won't mind that. <laughs> this is um, this is this is not a, a hidden gem by any means. But Sire de Burley is 10 to 1 with a Betfair Sportsbook. Five places for this race. And he's only, what, three, yeah, he's three pound higher, is he, than, than 2020's win? The 155. 155. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was 152 when he beat the Storyteller, when the pair pulled miles mm. clear of everything else. It was the only other well handicapped horse in the race. Uh, there isn't. There's surely nothing of the quality of a storyteller in this race this year. Dunboy and his stablemate could be well handicapped. We haven't seen him really unleashed yet. But my goodness me, this horse is this horse ran floor and portal within three three and three quarter lengths last year mm. in the stayers hurdle. He's had two runs this year. He's ran. Oh, sorry, he was beaten six lengths by Durasso uh, in November. But then he's ran at Leopardstown. He's never ran a good race at Leopardstown. He was rated 160 then. The, uh, the Irish handicapper dropped in two pounds for that. He went to Warwick, the same race that he prepared for this race in 2020, just given a spin to get qualified. Um, not hard, over hardly pushed either. Tom Scudamore was on board that day. The British handicappers then dropped him another three pounds for that run. Almost like that, that run was actually his running, which it, which it wasn't. He loves the track. He's the class horse in the race. He's actually a graded horse in a handicap. This is not yeah. could be. Yeah. He is the yeah. graded horse in the handicap. And I just look through this race this year and I just think I wouldn't fancy after him on a Tuesday at Market Raising. I just, <laughs> I just wouldn't. You know, I think there's no depth in this race whatsoever. I think he's the class actor. He's not going to be 10 to 1 on the day. I yeah. no, is it, it's weird, isn't it? It's almost like Coming up short in the stairs last year, they decided, right, well, they wasn't quite up to that. Potemps. Yeah. <laughs> that was their first thought. Exactly, yeah. Two-time two time winner of the race. Pick me out four horses that's going to finish it. Oh, five horses that's going to finish ahead of yeah, side no. of here. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's madness. He absolutely loves the course. He's got a great record round here. Um, oh, I think I think he's a three-time winner and waiting, honestly. I really do. Yeah, yeah I suppose that, again, number and no bet comes into it because... He has the, option. the stay the, the stay is it thing with it with horses sort of scuppering their own chances seemingly every week in that race by doing something wrong. It could be there is a chance, I suppose, but yeah, that's why you've got number no bet, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, definitely. But I think Dan, back to you, that I think Daryl does make a really good point there where Basically, with the Potemps, because it's almost had this comical edge to this race where you're trying to find, you know, the eye catcher who's qualified in exactly what race, where everyone's got their own sort of conspiracy theories, I guess, almost on the race. Are you actually, are people actually being a bit blind to the fact that you have, as Daryl says, a graded horse in this handicap rather than just decide, rather than siding with a horse that you think is sort of, oh, it's, it's well treated for this race, just going with a graded horse? Yeah, there is. I'm, I'm a massive advocate of that. I say it all the time. Um, the, this thing of it's hard to put a rating on class. You can have a, an official handicap, Mike, have time form ratings, but sometimes horses just find it a lot easier, however much weight they're giving away, running against vastly inferior animals. And 
I, if, if he goes for that race and his abilities there, there's absolutely no way that five will beat him. Mm-hmm. And Darrow mentioned tens and he mentioned his shot and he could be one of those proper old school Cheltenham Festival handicap gambles. You know, you look at nine to four, three to one, something like that. I'm not saying it's unsinkable boxer back in the day necessarily, but that sort of ilk. I mean, I did think another McManus horse was of some interest. You've got to forgive a poor one at Haydock, but he's been freshened up since. But they sort of reinvented, did they leave you out too, as a, a stayer in more recent times. I thought he was all speed. I remember when he, winning that Lingfield bumper in jump in jumpers bumpers time mm-hmm. back in the day. Yeah. He looked an absolute freak in terms of um, turn of pace. But he's a different animal now. He's quite frustrating, but he's he almost always runs his race. And last time was a blob. He's been freshened up since. That was Haydock. A lot of horses failed to handle testing-ish ground there around that tight inside track. He was probably an example. And he'd had a hard enough race at Newbury the time before. Um, form, which I think is actually okay. I don't think that's bad form at all. So I thought he, he's, a, he's a massive prize, but um, he's been given a nice break since then. He got qualified in the Newbury race, which is handy. And... He's not still not had all that much racing around three miles. He could find four or five pounds for an end-to-end attempts that you that you tend to get. Yeah, I mean that's it. Like I say, he's going to be a huge price and a bit of a forgotten horse. And what a story he would be—the horse that loved throwing himself on the ground to actually then come back and, and win at the Cheltenham Festival would be quite something. Then for did they leave you out to in the JP McManus Silks again? So that's I guess all everything covered for the attempts from for now at least. Anyway, so Dan, I'll go back to you for any of the other handicaps on day three and day four. I mean, we've got the Paddy Power Plate, Kim Muir, Martin Pike that I knew you wanted to get into. Uh, no, I'd, I, that's just a, the two of them are a minefield because you've got so many horses. That yeah, <laughs> it is just it's a basically a consolation race, isn't it? For the Coral Cup, they're almost they're almost one of the same nowadays. I genuinely don't have anything else. March the first is obviously a massive day for all of us. We'll get to see how they line up. I mean, the man I was involved, as we were saying, in in organising them as to where they would be in the handicap is is <laughs> quite hard to comprehend. But um, I think we've found a handful at least between us, yeah. which are likely shorteners and look set to go for these races. I think that is, we've got number and no bet in our favour, but ultimately you want to have a bet, whether it's number and no bet or otherwise, and then be going for that race because you, you're doing it based on price and you think tens or whatever is a big price. Yeah, definitely. So Dan makes a very fair point then. And as you say, we'll know far more when we do have the weights come March the 1st. So Daryl, last word to you on any other handicap horses that you like to look at. Yes. <laughs> Should no, I sign off now? So I've seen it <laughs> I mentioned this to you, Dan, didn't I? After he after we came on air, he won at Limerick. That he was he looked really nice, state man. Um, yeah, I think I think this is this is a proper horse. I, I like. I don't want to go get too overexcited like I do sometimes, but um, I genuinely thought that this horse could could run and go very close in a Ballymore. Um, and he's going to be getting a mark in the you would suspect in the low one thirties or the mid one thirties. And I, and, and I think he's a one fifties horse, put it that way. I, I was so uh, impressed. Joe Donnelly with... ever had a bad horse for Mullins. They're all like minimum one fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah. I think it's just going to get to a point where we're just going to, the handicap is just going to give him one fifty ratings and be done yeah. with it. <laughs> Entry point. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was so impressed with the way he quick and clear at Limerick. I know that was over two miles, but it's on soft ground. He looked, 
his best work was coming at the finish that day. Uh, I definitely think he's going to be going up to the Martin Pope for two miles four. Uh, Willie Mullins actually won that race with five o'clock, I think, the year before. That horse ran in the Martin Pope that year. And I just thought the uh, the, the jockey booking of Richard uh, Richard Deegan was was interesting on that day uh, for State Man. So, so I don't think this is going to be the route for him. He's entered in the Coral Cup and the County. I uh, can't really see him going to the Coral Cup. Um, I think they've got other horses for that and, and the county is sim- similar. But some of his form over in France just, just ties in with a lot of horses that are rated in around 135 to 140. Then uh, that was his debut run and he was really eye-catching behind Bustleton that day. He was beating two lengths, but he came a mile off the pace uh, to, to, clo- to close Bustleton down. Bustleton had a really good year as a four-year-old after that race. And um, just some of it ties in with the likes of Tahipu, Good ball, who's a, who's a well-handicapped horse off a mark of 134 for Paul Nichols. Um, there's just lots to like about him. You know, you go through, you, you can go through all the form and everything like that as much as you want. And I have done with this horse, and it, it, it relates to the likes of Classic Getaway and Sir Gerard and those like Dynamo in places. But, you know, when you just have the sheer experience of just watching a horse and you just look at it. You, you just know, know, yeah. You just know it's a good horse, yeah. I'm hoping that's the case with him. I think he's, I think he's very, very good. Um, hopefully, the Martin Pope is the uh, is the plan, but uh, I will definitely keep an on side wherever he goes. Yeah, yeah. Mullins' record in that race is pretty staggering, is it? Going dating back yeah. to like Sir Sir Deschamps coming from the clouds to win it. Yeah, yeah. I, possibly his best horse he's got in 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 some terms, Galapand Deschamps. Yeah. <laughs> decided to take yeah. that in last year. I know that was a turn up, wasn't it? Goodness me, for what the horse he's turned into. No, yeah, I think us. it. I, I think if it wasn't for the fall at Leopardstown at Christmas, mm. I think he would definitely be in either the Supreme or the Ballymore. I would say the Ballymore would have been the target for him, but I think given that fall and it was far enough out, and then he's gone and won a Mickey Mouse. Well, he's not a Mickey Mouse made, and actually, it's worked. It's, it's working out all right. But um, I, I think that's the reason. Then the handicap route. So I, I think he's a very good horse. Yeah, and if you hear sirens in the background there, that is a police coming for Daryl because he's completely exposed a potential <laughs> handicap plot job. There. Well, not plot I'm afraid job. that's what happens when you live in Manchester. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just surround sound by now. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. Sorry to anyone out there who is from Manchester. Darren, Dan yeah, is allowed to go away with saying okay. that. You still haven't got cars in Cornwall. No, exactly. I can't. (laughs) Police are going around on bicycles. (laughs) Exactly. But at least we have internet, unlike Bryony, apparently. He's a county up. But no, so that's a fascinating insight again then from uh, Daryl for that race. So anything else? Because we better wrap this up, really. So any other bets, open the floor to the pair of you. I'm good. I'm good. I think it's good to end with Daryl being so punchy as well. Yeah, that was yeah, a good, that was a very good ending then for Daryl. I get much more confident than that. Well, that's everything from us on this week's show where we've managed to cram plenty into covering the handicaps. Next week, we will be discussing the cross country, the fox hunters and the triumph hurdle. So as eclectic a mix as you could possibly wish for on next week's show, please do join us for that. A big thank you to the team for all of their hard work. Thank you so much for tuning in. Of course, Racing Only Better is on Friday. Wade In is on Monday. Please do remember to gamble responsibly and as a Betfair offer as well. Do not forget that you can grow your raw for Cheltenham with a £30 free bet pot. Bet £20 on horse racing this week on the Sportsbook or the Exchange to add £10 to your Cheltenham free bet pot. T's and C's apply. So thank you so much again for joining us and we'll speak to you again next week.